0: You're listening to the Birth Matters Podcast, episode 31.
1: Such an out-of-body experience while being in the body at the same time. And I remember in class, you had said that ultimately, like, you're really working together. It's not just me. It's me and the baby. And that, for me, is what is so moving. That she was so ready to be in this world. And her spirit now is the same.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. She's
1: so determined and wants to figure it out yesterday and in some ways is incredibly curious and c- curious to the point where you could see how
2: you can see her working things out. You can see her thinking
1: you, you'd think, Oh, she, she did come into the world with her own agenda. I felt like a cave woman with this other cave baby, who was like just pounding their way into the world.
0: Please know that we welcome your feedback on the show. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, and what you'd like to hear or learn in future episodes. Reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at NYC, or you can email us at podcast at birthmattersnyc.com. A few days before celebrating their daughter's first birthday, Nisa and Britt share the story of an unexpectedly quick first labor with the support of a doula. You'll hear about how a pre-existing condition Nisa has, Crohn's disease, caused confusion when she actually went into labor. She shares the emotional challenges of a cancer diagnosis her mom got in the middle of Nisa's pregnancy and mentions a therapeutic method that was helpful to her. She details how she thinks her background and training in acting was helpful in giving birth, while Britt explains how being a parent has helped him become a better, more present professional actor. They'll describe what it was like to meet their daughter for the first time, go through some of the ways they worked together as a team in the early weeks, and will point out strengths they've seen in each other as they've become parents. Before we jump into the story, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Birth Matters NYC's Childbirth Education Classes. If you live in the New York City area, the best way to build your confidence and prep for an amazing birth and entry into parenthood, and to connect with other expectant parents to build your very important support system, is to attend group childbirth education classes. You'll spend quality time with your labor support partner in our comfy Astoria living room classroom as you prepare for not only birth, but also for your best possible postpartum recovery and wellness, as well as early parenting with classes on breastfeeding and newborn care techniques. Classes often book up about one to two months in advance, so be sure to grab your spot on the early side. For more information and to sign up, visit birthmattersnyc.com. Okay, without further ado, let's jump in. Welcome to the Birth Matters Podcast. Today I have Nisa and Britt with me to share their baby's, their firstborn's birth story. Welcome, you guys.
2: Hey. Hi. Thanks nice for to see us. you.
0: I'm so happy to see you and hear you. And I, I you were just telling me that you're about to have your baby's first birthday, right? Yeah.
1: Yes. Our little one, Vienna, turns one on Friday in just a few short days. Um, <laughs> Oh my goodness! <laughs> We've been
2: coming through our iPhones, picking up videos, and it's just so mind blowing to seeing who she is now, <clears throat> and then going back and seeing those videos, and it's like a whole other baby.
1: <laughs> this morning, I was crying, and I was like, "I feel so sad," and I realized that it's like she changes so often that you're sort of like this other person has left you, like this tiny, this tiny infant you had, and now she's this wonderful curious aware spirited absolutely lovely child but you start to feel like there's like a loss of that other person which is really strange mm-hmm. and and beautiful at the same time
2: yeah yeah, yeah. profound
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah cuz they were so rapidly change in that first year right that it's like multiple little different beings <laughs> that they you've are. met along the way they kind are. of <laughs> they are <laughs> yes is she walking yet no, yes.
2: <laughs> she's standing. Listen, like today, she tried to take her first step and fell like flat on her face. So, <laughs> oh. but she's standing great, and she shows off standing, and she's got a walker thing that she walks with. But um, but she can't walk on her own. Can't walk on her own quite yet. So
0: we'll enjoy teet- it while it lasts.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I know. Do
0: you say she's teething? Is that what you said? Oh, uh, teetering.
2: No, Oh, you're no. saying
0: she's teasing us. Oh, teasing <laughs> you. Oh, sorry, <laughs> I misunderstood.
2: <laughs> she, yeah. only, i think, I think deep down inside she knows she can walk but she just she'll like smile at us and say want to walk want to take a step want to take a step and she'll just plop back on a bum
0: bum <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so cute oh so fun <laughs> she's also a really um she's
1: a a very healthy baby is how i would say it. yeah and she's... so i feel like i think she has a lot of weight to pull up and move around
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like in the 90, 90th percentile and like weight and maybe high 80s or mid 80s and length. Well, I thought she was
1: bigger than that.
2: No, 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 no. Well, she just, she just, uh, she was. Then she got sick like a, a couple of weeks ago. So I think she lost a little bit of weight. So she's, getting ready she's, ready down, right. <laughs> she's getting ready for swimsuit season. Right. She's getting ready for swimsuit
0: season.
2: rapidly around the corner.
0: And do you have any celebration plans? No, yeah, we're just
2: going to do something for the three of us. It feels, you know, we don't have really have any family here.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So um, we'll do a little shindig for just the three of us. And then we'll um, call up their godparents and some other friends and probably go out for brunch. So
0: I'm going to um, attempt
1: to make her a cake.
2: We'll see how <laughs> that goes. I can't <laughs> wait That she can that just
0: dive out. face first into. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I did oh, at yeah,
2: my really, first birthday. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Small is good for a first birthday. It's really more for you guys than for her because she, she probably won't remember it.
1: <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> right. I wonder how much of a cake she'll That's what I'm you know, She's a about.
1: very dainty eater. So she'll probably sort of pick at little things, look at it very curiously.
2: Smell it. (laughs) Examine it. Throw part of it on the floor. Keep part of it on her fingers, then lick it. Put that on the floor. Offer it to us.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So is one of you staying home with her right now? Or what does that look like?
2: Well, we both are.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we're really, really, really blessed. So both of us have, I guess what you would say, are sort of freelance careers. Right. And so either one of us is home with her or... A lot of times we also both get to be home with her and it's
2: incredible. Yeah.
0: Nice. Do you want to share what you do for a living?
1: Sure. Go ahead.
2: Um, I'm, I'm a professional actor.
1: And I'm a communication coach. So I own my own business and I work with largely large tech organizations and universities to help them communicate better at work. Mostly teaching them how they develop content, how they deliver that content and how they might design it in terms of their presentations.
0: Great. I always think it's interesting to hear. Also, like, as, like, and how does that inform if it does? your birth experience you know what you do for a living because we spend so much of our lives doing those careers so maybe something to just think about and if you think about anything by the end of our time together if you're sharing the birth story maybe you can or along the way you can share that but and i also think just in new york we have such varied professions that it's really fascinating to hear what people do for a living so thanks for sharing that so as we are about to jump into your birth story Do you want to share anything that you, what did you do to prepare for this huge momentous occasion of giving birth and becoming a parent?
1: Well, Mm. I had a friend who was a mom in Astoria and she invited me. I know I've heard this mentioned before to this mom's group called Momaly. And so I being a control freak type a Really need to know everything and want to know everything. And it's the knowledge that helps me feel more secure. So I use that Facebook group to sort of say, What classes can I take? What should I be reading? Where can I take a prenatal yoga class? Oh, what's a doula? What does a doula actually do? Maybe I should go to this doula and donuts situation and figure it out. I did a lot of research, and I think that that helped me feel uh, more secure. And then, strangely, like also incredibly anxious. I think I would have been anxious without the information and I probably would still anxious with the information. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: yeah. Just because it's so, you've, for someone who wants to be in so much control, you have no control and mm. you have all the knowledge, but you haven't walked through it yet. And so it, it feels like there's so much unknown.
2: Yeah. And we also, you know, like you said earlier, we don't have any family here in the city. So, and we had, you know, like our, our families couldn't make it even if, um, because they were ill. So
1: yeah, my my mom would have been with us when our daughter was born, but so I was due February 12th and election day in November, my mom actually shared with us that she had been diagnosed with stage four mantle cell lymphoma. And so she was going to have to start chemo the next month and unfortunately wasn't going to be able to be with us, which it was so sad and really, really hard to sort of process that while you're also bringing this new life into the world. But I'm happy to share that she's in remission now yeah. and has had like a, a re- remarkable turnaround. <gasps> oh, yeah.
0: yay. Yeah. I'm so relieved yeah. to hear that. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. great. Yeah. But so, so you're guess- saying across the journey into early parenthood that she was- So in the treatment and everything that she wasn't able to really be there to support you. No, No. she couldn't, she
1: actually couldn't travel. So she's, she wasn't allowed to travel Mm. medically. And I guess the hardest part learning that news was feeling like the fear that you might lose this person you love so much while also carrying the love that you have for this person you're about to meet. And so I'm so lucky that I didn't lose my mom, but that, I know other people who have have gone through that and have lost a parent. And it's very strange to sort of hold grief and joy at the same time. And so that was interesting and difficult.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I am sure there's such a tension in holding those two things at the same time. Mm -hmm. A lot of conflicting. Totally conflicting. And because we didn't have
1: that support and knew that, we wouldn't. Then we sort of like doubled down to say who are the people in Astoria in our neighborhood that we can come to? So of course, Lisa, we took your class and we decided then to have a a birth doula and a postpartum doula Mm -hmm. and a lactation counselor came to the house before we even gave birth to talk to us about that process. So I think we, what we decided to do is just surround ourselves with a lot of support that we weren't, wasn't familial support, but were people that, we knew were experts and would be there and be present for us and have the knowledge we didn't have. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: I love hearing that you had a lactation consultant come prenatally because that's really, really uncommon. Ooh. How can you talk at all about what caused you to realize that that was maybe a good idea? So Lee
1: Cohen was at the time owned the Astoria Doula Collective and she and I worked together together. Prenatally as well, so I guess that's. Oh, I know. I went to this doulas and donuts event, and I Mm -hmm. would at that point I didn't even know what a doula was. I and to be honest, I was probably like a little bit of a doula naysayer uh, because I was like, "Oh, do they just like show up with crystals and like patting your back?" I mean, I'm just kind of confused. It's a common, yeah, it's a common perception of (laughs) (laughs) the hippie doula. (laughs) Yeah, and so after doing some research and talking to some people. I realized, oh, wow, actually what this doula can provide is like emotional and physical and even psychological support. Mm -hmm. And so Lee worked with us before the birth and then after the birth as a postpartum doula. And she worked with me to do a process called havening. And so it was a way to help me sort of move through my fears and anxieties going into the birth because of the fear of having my mom, possibly leave. And throughout my life, other things have happened. In hospitals, it didn't feel joyous. And so how could I re-envision that process so I would feel like a sense of smile and a sense of like wonder and joy through it all. And in that process, one of the fears that I had that came up was breastfeeding and feeding her and being able to nourish her and care for her. And so Lee was actually the one to recommend a colleague of hers that came to the house. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah and it was it was remarkable like it was really really helpful to see the videos and just understand what happens even right when a baby is born and and how they have n- natural ability to to come right to the breast some of them and mm-hmm. um how do you like care for a child in those first three weeks and if you're looking to breastfeed them and all those sort of things and so it was really 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 helpful
2: yeah like for me <laughs> my learning curve is huge i I didn't know. And just to know that, like, we wanted, like, right off the bat, we wanted Vienna to latch right away. I didn't know what latching means. Sure. <laughs> that. And, and then all of a sudden, it's like starting to see her, like, okay, yeah, I think this is going to happen. She's going to latch right off. Yes, yes, yes. This is great. So, you know, like those kind of benchmarks, you know, uh, that helped me in the process of knowing when she was genuinely contracting. Knowing these were contractions that we need to pay attention to, you know the knowledge we got from the class, especially like all of that, you know the how this works, how you know how powerful the body is, and because you know I, you can anticipate you being shut down and and freaked out by the situation, and then you get there and you just something in you, you're just like a deer in the headlights for a bit, and it's just natural and normal. So, you know, like it took me a while to get into the groove of oh my god this is happening but knowing that ahead of time helps otherwise i think i would have just been sort of an adrenaline mess <laughs> the entire process
1: yeah i think uh, it gives you a guidepost. so like the journey obviously is not going to be the same for for anyone really mm-hmm. but at least you sort of understand it should look somewhere in this vicinity mm-hmm. and then the next guidepost perhaps it might look like this
2: right the thing that stuck with most of me was, you know, there's our birth plan and there's the baby's birth plan. And then when we tell you the story, you'll understand why that came, the, how true that rang for us. Um, I had a
1: very, very fast birth.
2: Very fast. I mean, you start with like the day before January 30th. It was Wednesday and we were due to go see her OBGYN because we were starting our rotation of meeting everyone in the practice. And we were excited because the previous visit, the OB that we saw, hey, there's a little dilation. So what we were hoping, we were going to get a little bit more dilation. We'd be further along the process because there was something special about, you know, Vienna being due on February 12th, because my birthday is the 14th. My late mother, who had just passed away a couple of years ago, was on the 16th. And Vienna's namesake was, I think, the sixth. Mm-hmm. So we were like, oh, wouldn't it be great if she were born on one of those dates? And like that would that, be perfect right on the spot. So um, so you told me what happened that morning.
1: So that morning, it was, I don't know if you remember this, but it was the coldest it had been all year. It was like two, two or four degrees maybe in mm-hmm. the evenings and had gotten up to 10 or 12 during the day. And I one of the things that really helped me out throughout the pregnancy was I was going to the gym almost every day. And so that particular day like the, the trains weren't running but I still said, "Oh, I'm going to walk all the way to the gym, walk to the gym, got back. We went into the city to the it's appointment. Like 15
2: 20 blocks she walked.
1: We uh we went to the appointment and we're like, "Oh, let's go to Trader Joe's. We can b- pick stuff up." Oh, oh but we got like, birth.
2: when we were at the OB <laughs> Um, and we, we were really disappointed when we, there was no further dilation. Like, oh, wow. So maybe, well, we keep wanting to get on this process of like, oh, we'll know this benchmark, we'll know this benchmark. So we did this thing out in the middle of the street. And it was
1: when snowing. We came out, it was snowing. Like it
2: was snowing. <laughs> so I, reached, I, I bent down, I started talking to Vienna. I said, okay, Vienna. You don't have to be born on daddy's birthday you don't have to be born in your grandmother's or your namesake's birthday you'd be born anytime you want to be
1: so whenever so, you want to come, whenever we you want to come ready. We and by ready. that time i was really ready she was <laughs> really ready
2: so we go to trader joe's we come we get on the train come back home we finish and, our evening the guy who we picked for our godfather came over helped us do some um stuff in the, the nursery, nursery. And we, which
1: by that point I was obsessed with, I was like, Oh, the baby can't get here. Big until time this is- nesting
2: mode. She's <laughs> in big time nesting mode. So, so we go to bed, go to bed at like nine 30 or something like we, really early.
1: Yeah. And so then I woke up at 1230 and I was like, Oh, I don't feel very well. Oh, oh man. And I was like, I was having cramps, but I just, <laughs> just graphically. I mean, I just basically went to the bathroom a lot. And I happen to have Crohn's disease. And so I was like, oh, well, the doctor earlier today said that you're similarly dilated as before and that she'd see me next week. There's just no way I'm in labor. Like I'm, I'm having a Crohn's flare. And so I probably, I, maybe I was in denial. I'm not sure. I waited about two hours, which during this time I should have been like. I'm
2: sound asleep. I'm so asleep. I, I
1: Didn't was, wake me up. Well, I also remember from class it was like you're you you can go for a walk and like bake cookies and I, that that was not happening for me, and so I at one at certain point was like oh maybe maybe something is wrong, and I woke Britt up at 2:30 2.45. or two forty five, and I was like something is wrong
2: something is wrong. No, actually, you when you woke me up, you said um I think I've got gas, Britt. I've got really <laughs> bad gas. And I'm like, you woke me up for that. <laughs> like, Thanks so, a
0: lot. Let me go back I'm to sleep. Like, Thanks.
2: What you and and then she goes, oh, and she leans over and she let out. So I'm like, that's not gas. So um, I kind of like knew like, are you in contractions? So I was like trying to remember what, what the, I can't remember now, what from the class you were like, what the pacing of it was. I break out my app <laughs> and I start timing them. And I'm like, this is pretty close together. Um, maybe we should call the doula. So we called the doula. And- no, we didn't
1: call. Cause I was like, we cannot call Jeanette. I'm not that's in right. labor. I'm we not texted. in labor.
2: We texted.
1: It's, th- I was like, it's 3am. We cannot call her. So we texted her. And she happened to be awake because her son was sick.
2: You're right. And she
1: was like, just happened
2: to be awake. <laughs> just happened to be awake.
1: She said to call and put her, put me on speakerphone. She goes,
2: I want to hear her. I want to hear her. I'm like, yeah, that's labor Brit. <laughs> That maybe you should call the doctor. So we called the doctor, and they said, well, my, maybe, you should, <laughs> maybe you should go to the hospital. By this time, Nisa is in profound pain. She is, like, howling.
1: And I kept thinking to myself, I'm like, you're a vocal coach, Nisa. But still, I just kept being
2: like, ah! <laughs> I'm, I'm panicky. So luckily, Nisa had packed, had, like, the whole, you know, we had the thing that we, what, what was it called? <clears throat> the the overnight oh, or pack, to go bag the to yep. go bag, so we had that all set and um, I said okay I'm gonna get the I'm gonna get to go bag you stay in here we got to get your pants on I can't get my pants on <laughs> so I said and okay it's like
1: freezing and I'm I thinking said, I'm just gonna go without any pants
2: I am gonna get your pants on so I get her pants on and then I call the Uber and so we get downstairs we get inside the Uber and I said sir. My wife is in labor. I need you to get to Mount Sinai Hospital immediately. He goes, oh, and he puts the pedal to the metal and just goes. And, and
1: I'm sc- screaming. Screaming,
2: screaming and just the whole way, all of the Triborough Bridge, all the way into Manhattan, and we're like maybe two blocks from the hospital. And Nisa finally goes, sir, I'm so sorry. I'm so, so sorry. And he goes, motherhood is a beautiful thing. <laughs> So I'm like, thank you. Thank you. We're really sorry. So he pulls us right up. I get out. And Nisa said, just go in, just go in. So I go inside. I won't see the rest of that part. Uh, we go inside.
1: No, you can say it.
2: The, we go inside. The The security guard thought I like, gets up to like, stop me. I said, my wife's in labor. And then he freaks out. So then he goes and gets um, a wheelchair and then niece is like, ah, coming in. Apparently,
1: then, I was like,
2: I said, Do you want a wheelchair? And she said, I don't want a blanket wheelchair. <laughs> so we get rid of the wheelchair. <laughs> and then we get her into the um, elevator. We get to the right floor and we're starting to sign in. And right when we're signing in, this is the funniest thing in the world. A lovely woman is being wheeled out with her newborn baby. And she looks so relieved that the whole process is over. She looks up at Nisa and she goes, Ah, don't worry. You're going to do fine. You're going to do fine. And Nisa just glares at her and starts, gives me the paperwork. So I'm starting to sign the paperwork. So they take Nisa into triage.
1: But in triage, I'm going to take over.
2: Okay, you take over. Yeah, yeah, yeah You'll be with this part.
1: I don't really remember a lot about getting from one place to another. I know that they brought us to triage. And I thought, oh, I was so happy to know I knew it was coming from class that they were going to hook me up to these monitors and that I knew what steps were going to happen. That being said, it was, I was in so much pain. It was much more painful than I ever anticipated it being. And we got to the hospital at 345. Mm -hmm. And so they did this sonogram around like 415 or so. And at this point, our birth doula was there. So Jeanette was there down in the lobby and they wouldn't let her upstairs because they said, oh, you're only at two centimeters. Do you want an epidural? And honestly, when I came to class, I arrived at class thinking like, give me all the drugs. Then after taking class and realizing the science behind it and sitting with it for a while, I actually came to a place where I really didn't want an epidural. Partially because I get chronic migraines and I didn't want it to trigger a migraine but also i didn't want her to be exposed to it and i felt like i had the power to do it without one so i said no i don't want an epidural and the woman said to me if you don't want one then you should probably just go home and i remember looking at Brett, thinking are you absolutely flipping kidding me there's absolutely no way we're going home
2: <laughs> she goes i can't go home Brett." and i said okay so one of the nurses god love him said just you know Go to the attending nurse and tell them to let the doula in.
1: So she came in.
2: Jeanette, our doula, got in there and started working with Nisa.
1: And so she said, "Let's go to the bathroom." So we're in triage in the handicapped bathroom at four forty-five now. So, I thought so she was to the toilet
2: off the wall. <laughs> I
1: I really. So we were in there from four forty-five for, for forty-five, 45 minutes.
2: minutes. And then
1: and and I will tell you, forty-five minutes felt like a day. All I remember, I felt like a cave woman. I was like sitting down and banging the toilet, like literally is right. I was probably going to come right off the wall and just like vocalizing and yelling. And, and Jeanette would, would help me and touch me. But it was so interesting. I actually felt like so much pain that I didn't want to be touched. It was almost like, I, I need you vocally to be there and keep talking to me and working through it. But at this point, I don't even, I felt like it was one hour long contraction. Yeah. So what happened is that then I started to bleed and Jeanette was like, we need to have her brought out and checked again. They take me out in triage and check me and I'm at eight centimeters.
0: Wow. In 45
2: <sighs> minutes. Yeah.
0: Your body was doing some serious laboring, some serious mm-hmm. fast
2: well, <laughs> progress. Was also, it was also kind of scary because we were... Strep B. We were strep B positive. And...
1: And the doctor there, the woman who checked us in, attending, at that point, I think realized that she was like, oh, shoot, I I should have maybe...
2: I should have maybe started the antibiotics Biotics and, and,
1: and like, and I'm, I'm very grateful they didn't do that. Cause then I would have been hooked up to monitors and all of these things. Right. But they immediately were like, we have to get her into a room. And so then I'd say in like within 10, 15 minutes, they brought me to a room. I was now at nine centimeters and they were giving me antibiotics. And I remember so clearly Jeanette was like, you can do this without the epidural. You're, you're just, it could be 15 minutes. It could be 30 minutes. And I was so tired and still in so much pain that I just was like, I have, to, I have to get one. And ultimately, I was a little disappointed in myself that I didn't do it without one. But the doctor that we really wanted didn't come on call until 8.30 that morning. And so by having the epidural, the doctor that I really loved in the practice is the one who...
2: knows before then because the baby was born at 8.13. No,
1: the baby was... Born at eight fifty-two.
2: Eight fifty-two. No, that's when she came in. Somebody, came, something happened at eight thirteen.
1: Oh, maybe the doctor came in at eight thirteen.
2: Okay. All right. Okay. Uh,
1: in any case, I ended up getting an epidural, and I don't even know that it worked that much.
2: It, which, it, it, I mean, it was so fast. It was just so her fast. water hadn't even broken by now. Her water still had not broken. I
0: was just going to ask if it had broken because usually. Not always, but usually they wait to do the antibiotics until after the water's rupture. Right. So I thought maybe I missed it and maybe it did break, but yeah. it hadn't. Okay, I guess they were just thinking because you were so close to giving birth. Well, that, will that, maybe... lead
2: to a, that will lead to a very interesting part of this.
1: So they didn't get to do this, the four hours of antibiotics, obviously, because I got, so I got the epidural and then things did slow down after getting one. I was able to rest for a little bit. And so I probably had the epidural around 6, 30, 645. Mm-hmm. And then I remember thinking for a while that I felt like she was about to come, like I had to push. And I think that they were actually trying to get me to relax for a little bit longer to get some antibiotics in. And at a certain point, I was like, oh, no, I like she's actually going to come right now. I I, I, don't, I don't I'm sorry. This is what's happening. And ten minutes later, she was born.
2: Yeah, it was that fast.
1: Wow! And You're, she
2: she was call. She had part of the. She was
1: in call, so, not, so It wasn't
2: in call. It was like call. Is it in call? Is the whole sac, the whole body? Jeanette
1: belt. said it's called in call.
2: Oh, it is called in call.
1: But I don't know. And, and, oh, okay. and apparently, it's very rare. And she had her. I don't know if I did rupture or not. It wasn't the whole amniotic sac, but it was a portion of it. Was over her like chest and head and her bo- part of her body. Mm-hmm. and it was I mean I it was absolutely remarkable to think that I, this happened at 12 30 when I thought oh I just have to poop a lot <laughs> and then oh wait a minute that's actually not what's happening that's at all I mean. like I'm in labor <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, You're the stage. oh my goodness and yeah. for it to go
0: so fast is not what I was expecting at all
2: yeah
1: um
0: so from the moment you decided that you were in labor to the birth, how long was it? Eight eight hours or how how long? Six. 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 Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That is definitely on the shorter end of the range of norm, huge range of normal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah
1: they they kept saying at the hospital, Oh, you were oh, you were meant to birth babies. Oh, mm. you're like the handmaid. I was like, oh great, thanks. <laughs> oh
0: God. that's not what we want to hear. <laughs> no, Wait gotta, a minute. Can we exactly take back that right? reference? <laughs> yeah. Usually, if you are eight or nine centimeters, they'll say, Sorry, it's too late to get the epidural. But that's not what happened, clearly, because you said you were nine when you got it, right?
1: Yeah. Yes.
0: I And I remember them,
1: I mean, rushing in and having to do. I don't remember the name for it, but it was something
2: extra to make-cause I it. had to step out. They it was either me or the doula. <laughs> and he was <laughs> like, I want the doula. <laughs> so the Yeah, oh my there. gosh. And
1: then they wouldn't let me touch her. And I was just screaming for Jeanette. I was just like reaching out like with all of my body and being like Jeanette, I need you. And she was sitting in the chair with like her her little fingertips. I can just imagine her fingertips reaching out to touch my fingertips. And they gave it to me. I think they had to do something to give it even faster than normal. And I, I remember there being a huge sense of urgency for that.
2: Mm.
1: But they didn't. I don't. No one ever said to me like it's now or never. Mm. Um, I don't know if maybe again they wanted to slow things down. I, I'm not sure. Yeah.
0: That's an interesting thought. Yeah, it's possible that they wanted to try to get the antibiotics in, and that was why they were like, okay, you can do the epidural with the knowledge that it can slow things down. I don't know. I, I have never thought about that scenario, but that's a possibility.
1: I'm not sure. my mm-hmm. instincts tells me that might've been it. I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. So it was just, it was just remarkable, but it was so fast and such an out of body experience while being in the body at the same time. And I remember in class, you had said that ultimately, like you're really working together. It's not just me, it's me and the baby and that for me is what is so moving that she was so ready to be in this world and her spirit now is the same.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's
1: so determined and wants to figure it out yesterday. And in some ways is incredibly curious and curious to the point where you could see how
2: you see her working things out. You can see her thinking.
1: You, you'd think, oh, she, she did come into the world with her own agenda.
2: Yeah. Well, that's the first thing we said when we first heard her heartbeat. I was like, it was so authoritative. I was like, now that's a child with an agenda. <laughs> and that's pretty much um, the, the little one-year-old, almost one-year-old that we're seeing come to life. I mean, that's pretty consistent to who she is now. So through her birth experience, you know,
1: I felt like a cave woman with this other cave baby who was no, no, no. like just pounding their way into the world.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Hmm. Any reflections on the moment of meeting her?
2: It, it was. um I said this. Um, I don't get too wavy gravy, but it. It didn't feel like an introduction. It felt like a reunion. I don't know how to describe it. It felt like a re- I I don't, that's the only way I can describe it. I felt this little spirit just felt so familiar to me. And I immediately bonded with her. I I, I mean, Nisa <laughs> left her with I me mean, for the first time. She went to the bathroom, came back and I'm just weeping. You just weep. And you can't explain why it's such a, It's such a profoundly personal thing when you start immediately bonding with your baby.
1: I think I was in shock, like in a really just profound way. When you go back to look at the photos, you know, the photo when she was born, it's a live photo. So you can hear it as a short video. And I was just, I said, Oh my God. And, and I really meant that, that like that God had, had brought this being into our lives and I was just so in awe that that I had been able to do that honestly that I had the strength to bring this child into the world so fast and that she had the tenacity and strength herself it was incredibly moving yeah 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 and also like completely thrilling and really scary all at the same time
2: yeah yeah
1: like you have this tiny person who's entirely dependent on you. And it's, it's hard to trust yourself sometimes.
2: Yeah. I think that, you know, like, I'm, I'm grateful for those three days in the hospital because, you know, just having nurses come in and, you know, I remembered a little bit about changing the diaper from the class, but just, I kept eagle eyeing her, you know, uh, the, the, the nurse that we had, and she's just like, you know, just make sure the fluff's out because when they have blowouts, that'll help you then. I'm like, what's a blowout? <laughs> He's
1: fantastic at doing diapers now. Yeah, yeah, now, yeah. Now, now that's, I do that
2: every <laughs> single time. That and friends coming to our aid, you know, we didn't have family here, but like just community coming out of the woodwork. Uh, one of my closest friends in the city came and picked us up in his car. We don't have a car and drove us back home so we could take Vienna in so we didn't have to take a taxi ride home. And that was really nice. And
0: And speaking to that moment of leaving the hospital, any uh, big emotions or any kind of something you want to share about when you were discharged to go home with your baby?
2: Well, yeah. And then it's sort of like, okay, we're not going to have any nurses anymore. <laughs> uh, you know, something goes wrong. Right. Because we did have one little mini scare right before we left. We um, were just
1: about to leave and they said
2: <clears throat> she, I she's said, like you know, has
1: labored breathing. She, she's
2: labored breathing. And so they took her to the thing, uh, to the, the, nursery. the nursery. And so we're on the other side of the glass. It was only supposed to take like a second. But then like another nurse came, another doctor came, another doctor. We're behind the glass, so we're starting to panic. And then they said, just go back to your room. And then we really freaked out.
1: So apparently they were afraid that she was – so her chest was sort of rising and falling. She was struggling to breathe. And they thought that maybe it was because I didn't have the antibiotics and it was related to Strep B. Um, but but and
2: it, so, and then, it, so then the doctor comes in. Oh he goes, it's fine. I just –
1: it was just a she had the
2: biggest booger I have ever seen.
1: <laughs> and this is the NICU doctor. Right, okay. They brought a NICU doctor in uh,
2: well, yeah. to
1: take out a booger.
2: Uh, okay.
1: All
0: right. <laughs> Thanks for freaking so, us out. <laughs> for now, a booger. Take her home. <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: I mean, yeah, good luck. Go home on that
2: note. So, um, and I, you know, like, I don't even remember the first three weeks. That was just a blur. Um so I, I made a decision that I would. What you said in the class, like um, when she gets up, the feeder you you change the diapers, which I did. I every time Nisa got up, I got up.
1: He got and, up every every single time.
2: And which, looking back, I'm glad that I did that because the wear on Nisa, you know, that can get lonely, and. You know, me getting up with her, that's a little less lonely. There's somebody up with you. There's somebody with you doing it. So.
1: And I definitely would say that I had postpartum anxiety. And so it was a way that I felt like someone else was there to say, you're doing the right thing. You're doing okay. mm -hmm. Like she's doing okay. We're Mm -hmm. all okay. And I so needed that.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yay, Brett. Thank you for being an amazing supportive partner. We need oh, more of those.
2: It was a it was a team effort. We we you know, writing down every time she poops, every time she pees, you know, all that how when she goes to sleep, when she wakes up. We started writing it down and then I don't know who somebody gave us the the app Sprout. Mm-hmm. That we got and we both put that on our phone and both synced ours up. And even my sister and her mother now have <laughs> that same and we're all synced up together so they'll be you know in another state and they'll like, oh she's feeding now oh she's just feeding now <laughs> but that's been uh, that's but, how...
1: but to come back to your question about leaving the hospital <laughs> I definitely think it was a moment of like a little bit of relief to come home and be in our own our own digs <laughs> but I will say we also were just looking at each other like whoa whoa. whoa. Uh, They just let us take this child with us? Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay. Here we go. Daunting, right? Yeah.
2: Incredibly daunting.
0: Yeah. (laughs) But you've done it. You've done a beautiful job. (laughs) Yay. One year later. (laughs) One year later. Nisa, do you want to share any more, no pressure, but about the anxiety that you experienced and what things besides partner support helped with that? Sure. I So you
1: said uh, like, what sort of research did you do beforehand? One of the things that was also really recommended to me was placenta encapsulation. And so I did do that. And I think I really believe that it helped a little bit. I think it could have been far worse without it. I'm also someone who has generalized anxiety as it is. So it felt to me like I could just tell that there was a a heightened amount of anxiety in my system. And I still feel anxious a, a year later, even, and I work with that every day, but it would be like a lot of anxiety around, um, a lot of anxiety around breastfeeding and feeding her and whether I was like, could nourish her. And I had a lot of issues with oversupply and, and overactive letdown. And so like a lot of times she would be gagging and, and sort of kind of spit up, throw up a lot. And it was... It was hard. It was hard to feel like this is so new. I'm just learning how to do this. I can't control it. I can't read her. It felt like so much was out of my control. I will say, I think looking back, there is more I could have done to help myself. I think I probably could have gone back to therapy and even done phone sessions if I couldn't have left the house. I, probably could have meditated or done yoga with her. But for some reason, it all felt, it all felt too much. Like even it took me a long time to to join the mom groups and just like get past the fear of leaving the house. And so if I had a second child and we do want to have another baby, I think it would be different because I'd have some knowledge knowing, oh, that's what it was like. But I'll be super honest, I don't think I managed it that well. And I think I'm still trying to care for myself and managing
2: it. Well, I, I would say that I think, I think Nisa's being a little bit hard on herself because I think she was also feeling the vacuum of her mother not being there. I think there are natural progressions in this process that mm. that Linda would normally have been there. And Nisa was feeling that vacuum. And you know, as her partner, I, I could be as supportive as I can. But I mean, I mean, some things there's only so much you can do. You just have to sort of trust, and you know, and you know, really delve into your spiritual practice. But you know, I, I think she, Nisa, did an extraordinary job. <laughs> extraordinary job. And and I you know,
1: will say, like, eventually, when I sort of pushed myself to leave the house, which. I mean, I haven't been here for a year. It's not like I'm that would would be hard. Uh, I think like being part of a mom group is great. Uh, Looking back on it, I think it would have been even awesome to participate in something like that virtually even earlier. Recognizing, yes, I might have had the anxiety I couldn't leave the house, but maybe there are other people I could start connecting with. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the other things I started doing was Britt would say, here's like the, the one hour, or the one and a half hours or, that you have. Like I just went out to get a manicure and then came home. Mm-hmm. And Brit would be really, really great about saying, why don't you go do that for yourself? And I think those little times were the times that even if you're just sitting there for half an hour and you close your eyes and you come back yeah, were really, really, really helpful for me. And a lot of times I wouldn't even go do something. I might just walk around the block a few times just to, have yeah. kind of like a walking meditation and there were
2: a lot of those there
1: were, there were a lot of those
2: and just you know for people listening to the podcast like we we recognize we're we're very lucky in the sense of because of our the nature of our work both of us getting to be home together you know i i got to spend the entire first year of my child's life just with her a majority of the time and with nisa the majority of the time like we we're also like a different couple. And is like, we, we spend all of our time together when we're not working. Yeah. I think we had maybe two instances where we were both working. Like I was booked on a show and she had to work. So we had to get a, an all day babysitter, but <clears throat> that is a luxury.
1: Yeah. We are, I mean, we are enormously blessed that, we, enormously we, have each blessed other that, that. we
2: have each other in that. So that was sort of the the silver lining of, you know, we didn't have family here. So. uh.
1: But I would say that I, one of the things I found really interesting, you asked about professions. So one, I think coming from an acting background, which I come from and being an actor, there's so much about being an actor where you're in touch with your voice and your body and you're, you're aware and cognizant of things that maybe other people might not be. And so that was entirely true throughout the pregnancy and throughout the birth. The fact that, you know, you can locate and know what your pelvic floor is and how that supports your voice and and all of that, that other people are unaware of. Also, I would say in postpartum, being a communication coach came back for me because I felt like there's, there's so much that people say to you when you first have a child sometimes and they're like, you should do this. Why don't you do this? You could X, Y, Z. And I think it's really hard to hear those statements as a parent. I mean, in in life, you don't want to say to someone, well, you should have done this, or you, you know, you could have done that. But I think the people who said, why don't I just share with you my personal story? Or that sounds like, wow, you know, you must be exhausted or, really just sat and like held the space Mm where the things that were the most useful for me.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And Um, I met some wonderful moms who were able to do that. Who now I still call them friends and I'm so grateful and blessed that Vienna gets to be friends with their little babies.
2: That's um, an unexpected thing is the new community that you start to grow through that fellow parents, (laughs) especially in New York. There's really a, camaraderie of hey you're doing this too this is tough doing in this city but we're doing it all right it's been really nice it's we've met some lovely lovely people and there's some there's also a shift in you know the things that you that we used to do socially that you you really can't do that anymore and that's okay you know i'm i'm a little bit older you know like i'll be 51 my next birthday and i'm just so excited about this next phase of life. And I love getting to spend all this time with just my little trio family, you know, just us. It's really, really cool. I just like that. There's all these unexpected things that uh, have arrived in this first year like that, that have been really, really nice. So I don't know about what it was like for you on that same front. What was unexpected for you?
1: What was unexpected?
2: Yeah, that was like, oh, this is cool.
1: Oh, I think it's just such a gift to be a mom.
2: But when she, I remember the first time that she, um, when I, I gave her to Nisa and then she turned back to me or vice versa. And now she's full on. If I walk into her room, she'll hold her hands out for me or vice versa. If I, like Nisa went to uh, the dentist today and I was looking after um, Vienna and uh, um, she was sitting down and Nisa called and she perked up her ear like she heard Nisa. And we got off the phone and I said, Mommy's coming home. And she went, oh, and she reached out her hands because she thought Mommy was about to come in the door. That kind of stuff is like just amazing. It's really, really amazing.
1: And I think through all of the tears and the anxiety and the excitement and the joy and the sadness and the remarkable nature of it all is that the thing that I think I feel most grateful for is that your life becomes transformed because you start to see every day through the eyes of this little person who is seeing every day anew for a first time. And it's such, it's such a gift. Yeah. It's such a gift. Yeah.
0: It's beautiful. One thing I love that I'm observing about the two of you, I just feel like you really lift each other up and you're very affirming and loving and caring and supportive toward each other. Is there one thing as you've each become, you've moved into this new and improved identity of mother and father, is there one thing that you have loved seeing in each other?
2: You know, I gotta say that, like, I've always thought Nisa had really, when she was building her business, I always thought she had really good instincts for stuff, but I gotta say for Vienna, Nisa can be so incredibly inventive and about stuff that would be super cool for a little baby to interact with and, and do. And Nisa's always got her ear to the ground for like, you know, uh, really super cool deal on (laughs) these Facebook sites that she buys stuff off of. You know, like she's just, I I just. The compliment you giving me is you're doing a good job buying Facebook deals. What? What? (laughs) That what? What? What did I, did I misspeak myself?
1: No, you're just making me laugh that you're, I love that you're complimenting me for, for liking yard sales.
2: You are. It's Well, it's not just like liking yard sales. It's like. You'll find that one thing. Like oh, girl. Find-
0: you and I need to go yard-sailing and thrift-storing. Oh, oh, it was my, my favorite God. thing. It's my favorite thing. She, she got these pad things. Like, we have,
2: like, basically hard floors everywhere. She found these pad things, and she bought <laughs> brought them home, and I like what, what the heck is this? Why did you get this? I had no idea what this was. Well, of course, when Vienna <laughs> oh um, started to feel better after getting sick, we were like, oh, she's starting to move around. We got to... So Nisa goes and breaks it out and starts putting it down everywhere. So now Vienna's got a whole new apartment to. I'm like, wow, that was really, that was a great foresight. That's great, Nisa.
1: Basically, it seems like at the time I'm bringing home junk, but now I'm learning that actually
0: you are. Thanks for the affirmation, honey. Inventive and resourceful.
2: Very, very, very. It was sort of of the same with the... uh, the high chair that she got, she got this. What is that called? It's this European high chair. But when she first bought it, I was like, "Why did you like? I don't, I don't understand this at all." Like she had put on the the baby list for all these accessories for it. But now I'm like, it will grow with her. Oh, this is brilliant. How does she know ahead of time? Like she sort of saw it in her mind's eye. I mean, she, she's always been good with that. But like with Vienna, it's like gone. 20-fold. I'm like, wow, that's, so that's really, really good. So anyway,
1: I'm going to go on online look at what's see I like can find any yard sale while I have this.
2: I've only become more entertaining to my daughter as as time's gone on. I couldn't be that like plan that far ahead. I just think that's amazing.
1: Okay, so what I was going to say when you say entertaining is that like you you more than ever make me and Vienna laugh every day. I mean, I always thought you were funny, but I didn't think you were that funny. <laughs> and you are really funny. And I don't know if it's because, so um, Britt mentioned he's an actor, so he's also a, a, you know, a voiceover artist. And I'm telling you, Britt has the best voices for like every story and every song and it, even the way he speaks to her. And... The way that you play with her and you you sing you sing such a funny song every night when we get out of the bath. And she just she looks at you and she chuckles and she smiles so adoringly. And I feel like I guess I I love that you are so playful. I just love that you're so playful and that you bring her so much easeful joy. Mm. Like, Michael Chekhov, they, he talks about these psychological gestures, mm. and one of them is the gesture of flight, mm. which means, like, you feel, like, like boundless and you're flying. And I think the thing that you give Vienna is the feeling of flight.
2: Do you know what it is? Like, I, I have to say this, like, it's, I don't know the way this sounds, but Vienna makes me a better actor. I've booked more this year than I've ever booked in my life. And what it is, is presence. You cannot check out with your child. They notice. (laughs) They notice. And I've never been more aware of my checking out than with my daughter. Like she knows, like Nisa and I are in a constant battle with getting off our phones and uh, making sure that we're completely present with her. And even if the phone's away, like, you know, you're present with your you know with people but like a child really makes you slow down and get present and that's made me the practice of that every day <laughs> you know all day long you know it sort of ingrains in you and I, I feel like i've i'm you know especially for on-camera work just being present i think that's really really helped me so of course i think that's led into me being more because <clears throat> you do you have to be inventive. They get bored. Vienna gets very, very bored.
1: But I also think it's like, <coughs> but you're, I mean, the, the playfulness that you bring to Vienna also really helps me. Because if I'm feeling like, feeling anxious about something and you can like sing a tune or, you know, you're like, we've got a poop! It's a poop! <laughs> like, if we've been, you know, the, the way that you just treat things makes me feel like I can laugh at the situation and laugh at myself. And I think of course, like, I love watching you hold her and be with her and love her. But I I love watching you teach her to play. Because uh, I always want her to know. be able to feel like she can, can find play in her own. Just
2: life. for the record, I don't always say that when she poops. <clears throat> Most mm-hmm. of the time, it's sheer panic when she poops. She always has the blowout when Nisa's not at home. And I'm doing it all by myself. So... Then I have to like get really inventive so it just doesn't get everywhere. <laughs> oh, I love that I'm putting this out into the stratosphere yeah. so that when Vienna grows up, it's like, You're talking about my poop and putting it <laughs> out into the jet stream. She's going to talk like that. Huh? When <laughs> she's upset, so <laughs> she'll like talk that. that.
1: And, and also, you should know that Britt had a really hard time putting the diaper on the doll baby during class.
2: I did. I did so. I'm I'm very very proud that I worked past that. So, <laughs> you, know, you
0: are I, an expert uh, now.
2: <laughs> I, I think what well, we had a ve- I had a very very small doll, and but I have a very very big bone daughter. So, you know, it's a little bit easier to navigate. <laughs> I think she, on was, the big bone she was tiny
1: though. Huh? She was tiny.
2: She was tiny at one time <clears throat> when I had to fold them back. Mm-hmm yeah and yeah but yeah, now we're up to five diapers the number I five know, is. I'm
1: not sure how many one year olds wear size five, but
2: ours does
0: <laughs> overachiever
2: overachiever there you go overachiever. <laughs>
0: Oh, this has been so wonderful. Thank you for taking the time to share your birth story and all these great reflections that I think are such beautiful insights for expectant parents. Are there any things that you haven't gotten to share that you would like to share before we sign off? Or do you have any tips or other wisdom or insights for expectant parents who might be listening?
2: I don't know. Like really, it's so idiosyncratic to the child that you know i'm wary i've grown very very wary of giving advice because just trust your instincts
1: and i don't often like the word advice actually which i think probably comes back to not wanting to get direct advice from individuals uh, because it's so easy to, to judge yourself against mm-hmm. like, all the social media influencers you see and the other moms you hear of and the posts you see on facebook And so I don't really have any advice except to say that being a parent is really hard. And anyone out there listening that is a parent, you are all phenomenal, rock stars, amazing, incredible individuals. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful I get to be part of your ranks. And we can do it. It's not every day is easy, but we can totally do it.
2: (laughs) This is why they called it my terrifying blessing. (laughs) Yeah, and I think that that's the most apropos because I don't want to like it is it scares you, but like I don't like to express that too much because that that doesn't really reflect how I feel. I am just so the amount of joy. I told Nisa this today. I said I have never felt in my fifty one almost fifty one years. I've never felt this content before in my life. And I I say that after, you know, we've had, you help your child through their first sickness and, you know, and you have that up all night coughing and, and they get congested and you take them to the shower to steam them out and, you know, and you get them through that and, um, or you have to babysit them for.
1: Daddy a, sit, you mean?
2: Yeah. Daddy sit for <laughs> a couple of days while mommy works and I'm not as lovable as mommy, but she we got through, and we got to do some really cool things together and you know, and I learned how to give my daughter a bath all by myself, <laughs> which was terrifying anyway, I don't know where I'm going with this.
0: The only other thing
1: I want to say that i I think i i guess as much for me as anyone else is that looking back, the only thing I think I wish I had done was sort of let go of expectations, yeah. I think I expected the labor to be longer. So I didn't trust that I was in labor earlier. I think that I, and we
2: had a great music list that we never got to use. Oh
1: my gosh. Do you know what I had? Like in that labor bag, there were oh. tea lights, honey sticks. There was a diffuser of labor music playlist, no. uh, like a nice Old robe speaker. to put on. Yeah. I'm like, I'm lucky I have like clothes on at all. And oh, there's the baby. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but I think like even the expectations for what was expected of me or what I expected of myself uh, coming home with, with a baby. And, and even what I expected from her and what I expected from Brit, I think next time around, I would want to, to not carry all of that and know that my instincts are telling me at this point, like, wow, maybe this is labor. Maybe she is coming or what are my instincts saying here about how I I'm breastfeeding and, what are my instincts say here about why she might be waking up or having difficulty sleeping or how could I trust myself more? I think it would be something that would be really, really important for me. Yeah. yeah. I guess it would be great to let go of all expectations in life. Yeah. But especially childbirth and becoming a parent. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. That surrender and that trust. Yeah. It's challenging. Yeah. <laughs> it's challenging big life lessons, right? That we learn. Oh, but, but it's, and it's a continual thing. It's never going to be, we've arrived. We've totally learned to do that. A hundred percent.
1: I know it, we're, we're, we're coming up against time. So the last thing I also want to say is that I don't know that I ever respected women that have gone through childbirth the way that I do now. The fact that women, the way that we are built in our bodies to to do this enormous feat is just like simply remarkable. And I do remember my my best friend who's a Vienna's godmother came to the hospital the day after she was born. And I remember looking at her and just being like, Heather, and I, sometimes I can swear like a sailor. So again, I won't say it, but I was like, I at, did this, <laughs> like, Uh, that child I popped that child out I carried it and I did it and I think that that is so absolutely remarkable that that women have that capacity it's just mind-blowing and I feel really 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 proud of myself for that yeah rightly so
2: it was humbling to watch it was humbling to experience I mean the speed of it and I just feel so blessed that everything turned out great we had the the doctor we wanted to deliver and that Nisa was okay. Vienna was okay.
1: The other thing I would say is that it would have been a completely different experience had I not had Lee or Jeanette or Dawn or yourself or Andrea or, you know, the the women that we surrounded ourselves with in terms of our support that we had, we wouldn't be where we are today without them.
2: I, I especially want to give a shout out to our post Lee, our postpartum doula. I mean, Jeanette was an extraordinary part of this process of being our birth doula, but our postpartum doula, just, I don't know what we would have done without her.
1: And I think I that, and then largely it's not about the difference between the two. I think it's about the fact that
2: what we needed,
1: what we time. needed at the time. And I guess when you do say advice, the one thing I would say is that don't underestimate how much support a postpartum doula could provide for you. Yeah. And, and Lee was absolutely. Yeah. We, a gift. Yeah. We wouldn't, we wouldn't be here without her.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Isn't she wonderful? And I'm so sad that she's last I heard, not doing any birth work anymore, but mm-hmm. I kind of keep hoping she'll come back and do more.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I get it. I mean, that, that's a lot. It was a lot of, she was so good at it too. She was effortless. Yeah, we're, we're running out of time. Um, Can
1: you tell me you like, to talk?
2: Yeah. It's, it's well, like great. You, I love it. We started unearthing this thing, and I'm like, wow, yeah, wow. <sighs> it's really, we want to thank you. This is a really cathartic thing to do To uh, now that we're approaching uh, Vienna's first birthday to really walk back through this. Um, it was a remarkable experience then, and this last year has just been. I'm forever changed. I'm forever changed. Mm. So,
1: motherhood is a beautiful
2: thing. <laughs> that was such motherhood. a great line. <laughs> I know. I wish I'd gotten this card. Yeah.
0: Can I record that?
2: <laughs> I know, I, wish. I was. My phone rang.
1: I remember. I was like, oh, I'm so-. I was like in the middle. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. What was your name? Oh, Muhammad. Thank you so much. Oh, I'm so I'm sorry. I've been. I'm sorry. I'm screaming the whole time. <laughs> he was another gift another little angel along the way
0: yeah well happy birthday to Vienna thank you and really enjoyed our talk so have a great night and I hope to see you in the neighborhood yeah thank you for everything Lisa
2: thank you Lisa
0: bye bye many thanks to Nisa and Britt for sharing their thoughtful reflections on their journey into parenthood If you hop over to the podcast website, which is birthmattershow.com, and go to episode 31, I've linked to more information on several things Nisa and Britt mentioned in this episode, including the Sprout Baby app and havening therapeutic techniques. Based on topics that came up in last episode and this episode, I wanted to compare and contrast the baby blues to postpartum depression and other perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. The baby blues, which Jess mentioned experiencing in the last episode, are something very common and that occur in 50-80% to of new parents. Notice I didn't just say the person who's given birth, but any parent of a newborn can experience this. For the person who's given birth, the most common time to experience this is right around the time the milk comes in, which is most commonly days 3-5, to but could be as late as day 14. Around this time, there are many huge hormonal shifts in a breastfeeding or chest feeding parent that can cause us to feel like we have PMS off the charts. You might experience any one or more of the following mood swings, anxiety, sadness, irritability, crying, difficulty concentrating, feelings of inadequacy, just to name a few. The big difference between baby blues and something more serious called postpartum depression or other perinatal mood and anxiety disorders is mostly how long it lasts. The baby blues lasts anywhere from just a few hours up to two to three weeks. However, if the symptoms persist beyond two or three weeks, then it might be developing into something more serious that requires professional help. The more serious clinical diagnoses include depression, anxiety, panic disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, and the very rare postpartum psychosis. In case that list feels a bit overwhelming and to avoid overcomplicating things, let's just say that if you feel really off, you're not feeling yourself, and it's not getting better within two or three weeks from the onset, do seek out professional help. If you need to seek out therapy in pregnancy or beyond, it's very important to seek out someone who specializes in this time of life, the perinatal phase. Those who specialize in this time of life have a deeper understanding of the risk factors beyond the conventional narrow clinical definitions and will be able to provide more effective support. Your childbirth educator, doula, midwife, or OB may have local recommendations. In the show notes for this episode over at birthmattersshow.com, I'll list a few resources both here in New York City as well as online resources for finding help such as one-on-one therapy, working with a psychiatrist, day programs, or support groups. We go into this topic in much greater depth in birth class, including prevention strategies, risk factors, rates of occurrence in parents, and common symptoms. But for now, I can't emphasize enough how important two things are to significantly reduce your risk for these complicating factors. First thing, building in support in your pregnancy and especially after birth. And the second thing is keeping open lines of communication with your partner or anyone who might be supporting you through this time, intentionally checking in to be sure that each parent is doing okay from day to day. Note how both Jess and Nisa found ways to surround themselves with strong support, especially in postpartum, which helped a lot. Support has been a resounding theme in many episodes up to this point, and it's because it's so, so important in this time of life. Remember when Nisa talked about how she found it helpful to remember that her baby was an active participant in the process of being born? My favorite resource on this topic is an interview on the Birthful podcast with Karen Strange. I've mentioned it before, but it bears repeating because it's just so great. I'll link to it again in this episode's show notes over at birthmattersshow.com. Do give it a listen. I think you'll find it fascinating. For the month of April, which is Cesarean Awareness Month, we'll be sharing three cesarean birth stories. Here's a sneak peek of what's up next week. Got pulled over
1: by a cop. It's like something out of a movie, you know, right? You're like about to get to the hospital and you're in labor and a policeman pulls you over. And we pulled into the hospital and the cop pulled up behind us. My husband's like, what did I do? He just like, license and registration. My husband gets out of the car, which kind of freaked
0: him out a little bit. Oh, yeah.
1: And my husband... Just was kind of like, you know, a little frantic. And he's like, my wife's in labor. I just want to see if I can park over there. And then he like hands the cop his license. He's like, here's my license. Just mail it back to me. Just give me a (laughs) ticket, whatever you need to do. My wife's in labor, though. We got to go. Like, I got to park, whatever. And the cop just like, at that point, the cop is just like, here you
0: go. Just go. Oh, good. Never mind. Your affirmation for this week is to remember what the cabbie said, which I'm going to modify here to include everyone. Motherhood and parenthood is a beautiful thing. Thanks so much for listening to the Birth Matters podcast. Have a great week and we'll see you next time.